0: Hello, and welcome to The Recapables, a podcast on The Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Amanda Dobbins, the culture editor for The Ringer. Today, I'm joined by Micah Peters. you, And
1: Allison Hervin. I'm not doing a Teddy Perkins voice right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Allison. You're the only... Oh, Okay. All nope. right. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're all here together one last time to talk <laughs> about season two of Atlanta, and so you can be as rude as you want,
2: Micah. That's, that's fine. I mean, like, that is my modus operandi, mm-hmm. yeah. so... You know. All right,
0: so we're here to talk about Crabs in a Barrel, which is the last episode of season two of Atlanta. It was written by Steven Glover, it was directed by Hiro Mirai.
2: Oh, you're my family, girl. And you. You're the only one that knows what I'm about. And you give a fuck.
0: I need that. That sure seemed like a
2: series finale to me. I mean, like, I I had some questions answered that that were lingering. Sure.
1: I think, to me, it just seemed like a finale, which is not something that Atlanta has ever done before. In the very limited precedent we have, its first season finale was basically shrug emoji the episode. And this was like, we will actually do... We will give you closure on some things. And I think for Atlanta, that's such a disorienting feeling. You kind of instantly go to, oh, is this for real goodbye?
0: Yeah. So I should say I don't know anything. This is just my impression watching the final episode, which was that there were a lot of things in this finale that called back to the very first episode of the first season of Atlanta yeah. in yeah. a way that seemed to me quite, like, the circle is complete.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, definitely taking the international flight for the for the European tour. Yes. For, you know, Paperboy's European tour with Clark County in the same airport that right. Donald yes. was, I mean, sorry, Earn was struggling to sign people up for whatever that rewards program was. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't sign nobody up because... I'm not an old lady. <laughs> um, yeah, there were definitely like a bunch of callbacks. I mean, we finally got to see where exactly where Ern and Alfred stand. Yes. Um,
0: and there is that moment also of relationship closure between the three of them on the couch in the field uh, where they kind of bond. Oh yeah. In the
1: very first episode. And separately between Ern and Van. I think to me most of the call there certainly were callbacks yeah. throughout the entire series, but I was most impressed by how they obviously gave Robin Season an entirely different subtitle, almost like it was an anthology. Donald and Stephen Glover said ahead of time, you know, this is more serialized. We were inspired by Tiny Toons, which is their way of being like, we're going to do a slightly more conventional plot. I think through most of the season, most people thought that was, for lack of a better term, just bullshitting because you have to tell something to the press tour. But this episode for me really clarified Robin season as a complete arc because there are things that it calls back to that were in the first episode. Like when we first go into Uncle Willie's house, Ern says, I am afraid of Al leaving me. And Willie gives him some advice, including, what turns out to be in literal Chekhov's gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, Earn's uh, fear of being redundant and Al leaving him turns out to be kind of the big storyline of the season.
2: Yeah. Also neat Easter egg when they were in the uh, the passport office uh, early in the episode, um, and Earn takes out his phone, or he gets a text from Van or whatever, and the in the background on his phone is the picture that's on the nightstand in the first episode of the second season.
1: Good catch.
2: Mm-hmm. I was you know, too busy trying to just
1: decipher. The even meaning. when I don't know,
2: I'll be knowing.
1: <laughs> so
0: let's talk. I mean, let's break down what actually happens. Mike, as you said, they're getting ready to go on the European tour.
2: Yes, right.
0: Which is honestly, I mean, when it started the episode, I was like, "Wow, Earn gets to go on the tour. Good for Earn." Like, I, it certainly seemed like that was maybe not going to happen. And so they're making the preparations to go on European tour, which involves.
2: Packing up Al's apartment. Yes. Getting, getting a passport get, for Darius. Getting a passport <laughs> <Right>. for Darius. <laughs> and uh, trying to get an entertainment lawyer. Trying to get an entertainment lawyer.
1: Attending a parent-teacher conference. Right. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And kind of, which is really the way of kind of putting an end to or giving us an update on the van and, and Lottie situation.
2: Mm. Yeah, underrated moment. Uh when we find out that Darius's passport has expired, he's playing chess with himself. And after the as the scene is closing out, <laughs> he goes and sits on the other side of the table to make a chess move on the other <laughs> side, tosses the passport to the other side of the table He's just like, Why can't you give me your passport, man? Which I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah.
1: Darius is always a font of knowledge and insight. Yeah. <laughs> uh
2: Yeah. Also, the other best part of one of the other best parts of the episode is when they're sitting in the lobby for the passport place. And Darius is talking to Ern about, well, Ern says, you know, hey, I know that you're at peace with everything. My life is sort of falling apart. Can you give me some sort of idea of what Alfred is doing? And he's just like, yeah, man, y'all are both black, so you both can't fail. And, you know, like he's just doing his best not to fail and he understands it's your family and everything. Right. you got to do what you got to do, which, I mean, I've really enjoyed that entire conversation. Yeah, or
1: he understands you're learning, but part of learning is failure and he doesn't want you to fail right. on his behalf. Darius definitely
0: got like the thesis statement as a piece
1: of dialogue part of this episode. Yeah, for sure. It's also one of those things that wasn't necessarily a direct follow up to Teddy Perkins, but Mm -hmm. definitely felt like a spiritual check in with Darius in Mm -hmm. a way that we haven't really gotten since that happened. It was a nice reassurance that Darius is still centered and he was not fundamentally shaken by this horrifying experience that would traumatize us all.
2: Yeah, but it was kind of, that was kind of the same thing as when they went to the, the Drake party and he was just talking about, hmm, you know, life is a simulation. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I guess that's a little more like silly, fun, Darius, including playing chess with himself, Darius. And this is a little bit like, okay, I'm going to talk to you like a real person. Yeah. I'm still definitely recognizably the same yeah, wacky yeah, yeah, yeah. dude who plays Wearing chess Wearing a himself.
2: grill for your right. passport photo is a move. Yeah.
0: You do get facets of each of the characters in this episode. You know, Mm -hmm. you kind of have Darius being silly Darius, but also the check-in that you're talking about. You have the business side of Al, and then ultimately the family side of Al, and you have the various sides of Urn as well. This is definitely the most Urn-centric episode since the very first episode, I would say.
1: Yeah, and that's part of what the Van and Lottie stuff does is it really serves to ground you in his perspective and where he's coming from when he goes into these business meetings with Al. This is, I was talking to Mike about this earlier. I think this is the first time we have physically seen Lottie, Van and Earn's daughter, all season. We've seen, like, her car seat and she's been referred to, but I think this is, this might be the first time we've actually, like, seen her, especially we've seen Earn being a parent to her which right. there's this like amazing moment where the teacher walks in and goes, "Oh, hi Vanessa. You must be Earn," which is just yes. the perfect. She knows exactly who Vanessa is and she has never laid eyes on Earn before. Yep. Quick
0: sidebar on that teacher?
2: Oh, oh right. right. Yeah, yeah.
0: so <laughs> yeah. she's just like the well, analogy. so let let's, just go. Yeah. Yeah. let's she... do it. <laughs>
2: So, uh, basically, the idea is that Lottie is entirely too smart for the class that she's in. She needs to go to a mm-hmm. more advanced school. Right. This teacher suggests pre-K, which at this private school, that would be, you know, prohibitively expensive. Ern says, is there something cheaper we can do to push Lottie forward in her education? Tisha goes, oh, you mean like here? No, this school is awful. <laughs> and after the— like, as they're getting up from the parent-teacher conference, Van just goes, hey, sorry, you know, can I ask you this question? Would you have told us that the school was bad if Lottie was just a regular student? She goes, oh, no. And then she adds, if I see a steer smart enough to get out of the pen, I leave the gate open. Which Atlanta is some and truly...
0: To, Some truly
2: harrowing shit right there. <laughs>
0: it's really, really. Also, the look that that actress gives them as they walk out. She was really waiting for this moment. It's a really chilling performance. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really.
1: I just. The show that I anticipate menacing livestock metaphors from yeah. is Dolores the robot talking about like the Judas steer on Westworld. It's not a teacher comparing a classroom full of children to, as Earn points out, a slaughterhouse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That was a, a rough scene, but basically that scene helped. It was a rough scene
2: followed by a rougher scene. I mean, but it's a
1: rough scene that helps like underline the roughness because all of a sudden Earn has material stakes. Earn is someone who, Earn and Van both see themselves as kind of trapped. They see themselves as having frustrated potential and Lottie is obviously their chance to break that cycle. And it's a particularly line in the sand moment of here's something you can do, and if you aren't able to do it, you are failing your child as parents, which probably isn't fair, but it it gives an additional stakes to what happens with Earn besides just like Earn will be sad if his cousin fires him, right? Yeah.
0: It also, Micah, I thought of you. It calls back to they bring up Princeton again for the first time, right? And right, they right. really are kind of doing a Lottie is also meant to be kind of some of the choices that Earn is making or has made or yeah, that whether he wants to make the same ones for her or can, et cetera.
2: Right. Uh, it's the
1: second episode in a row where we've been explicitly reminded that Earn is smart and Earn yes. could theoretically do things with that intelligence.
2: Yeah, and him just kind of really, I I legitimately, it's the, probably the first time that we were presented with something where it is a thing that you know that if it happened for them, it might make Earn happy. I have no idea what that thing would be normally. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I I don't know what would make Earn happy. Maybe sending Lottie to this private school would be that for him. Yeah, Um, a
1: sense of providing, which is also what he talks about with Darius, right? Darius is like, you know, no matter what happens, financially, you'll probably be okay. Al feels a sense of obligation to your family. And, Earn basically responds like, I don't want to hand out. I'm also I also need to provide for other people. And I think he clearly gets at least some sense of independence, self-worth, what have you from that. Right. So that obviously sets up the
0: major set piece of the rest of the episode, which takes place as they're going through security Mm -hmm. at Hartsfield-Jackson International. And Chekhov's gun comes back.
2: Yes. Uh, at the beginning of the episode, when Ern walks into Al's apartment, uh, he asks if, if they finish packing. And Al goes, yeah, we did, and you ain't slick. And the gun is still at Al's house. So he's just like, all right, I'll get rid of it. And so in the course of Ern doing all of these things throughout the episode, he gets into the line of security. His shoes are already off. His belt is in the tray already. His back, he opens the backpack to take out his laptop, to set it in the other bin, because that's an annoying-ass thing they make you do, and there's the gun.
1: I mean, the way it's revealed, too, is it's maybe like the third time this episode where all the sound cuts out, because, as we're repeatedly told, Ern is in some state of psychic distress, and we see... Donald Glover's face looking really shell-shocked as there's no sound, but the camera just lingers on it for a few seconds where you actually, like, see what is making him so upset. And that suspense is almost as bad as the feeling of, oh, shit, he has a literal gun with him at airport security. It was so much... <laughs>
0: It was excruciating. As soon as they showed airport security, there's kind of a shot, shot where his backpack is very prominent in the shot, and I was like, "Oh no! Oh no! No!" That no, was no. when you knew because I did. Yeah.
2: I definitely didn't know until he unzipped the backpack. I was just
0: afraid. I was just like, "Worst case, this is about is that's this is what's going to happen." And also, we know it's going to come back, and then. Oh. So here's the thing: well, How exactly does the switch happen? Because that's oh, not he, show. he, he
2: it, it doesn't show. It just shows yeah. that Ern like sees the gun in his backpack and he's just like, shit. And right. this is like, you can see him starting to sweat and then all of a sudden he's just kind of like, hey, can you pass me another tray? Like, to Clark County who's standing right next to him. Yeah. And then, like, the next scene is, like, them walking out of the other side of security and being like, listen, hurt. let's hurry up and get to the gate. Like, So I think that, like, the switch has to happen there. Right. We
1: rewound the scene, and what happens is he says pass me a bin, he gets an empty bin, and then he walks away. And my theory is that Earn learned some, like, TSA jujitsu during his time as an employee of the Atlanta Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. Mm. But I have another
0: theory. So we'll come back to this leads to a moment of— reconciliation and, you know, character growth between it, it, it leads to the central scene of the the episode. But after that, Clark County shows up on the plane and does a whole thing and kind of plays it off like he doesn't know what's going on. And he's like, oh, yeah, his manager, he like he got cut." It's like, that's a shame. Bye. And kind of wanders off. And then Ern says to Al, it was in Clark County is back. Yes. Which, which means that Earn put it in the bag. Is it possible that Clark County was also in on it?
2: No, I think You that, don't think so? I think that it was probably a situation where... No, I think that like Earn probably put it in Clark County's bag and then Clark County did the exact same thing and put it in his manager's bag.
1: Okay. That, or yeah. they found it in Clark County's bag and Clark County was like, that's my manager's bag. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I was
2: wondering. Yeah, I mean, like, it, either way, either, yeah. either way, it's some snake in the grass shit. Right. Like, so it's because the the look on Alfred's face after, after, he's, after Earn tells him that mm-hmm. is just kind of like one of, uh, what did I get myself into, sort of? Like, why am I around this person because it was another thing. Uh, Justin Charity, uh, the piece that he wrote about the woods Mm -hmm. at the end of it was just talking about how uh, Alfred might align align himself with Clark County's manager Mm -hmm. and says that eventually he will come to regret that, basically. Yeah. And just aligning yourself with somebody that everything they do seems abstracted from any sort of Anything that's grounded in reality or personhood or morality or anything like that is just a general, just generally a danger to be around.
1: It really does take selling your soul to a new and very literal level. Because Clark County is definitely an unsavory character. He's kind of shady. There's something weird about how he constantly talks about drinking and doing drugs, but he's less sober. He shills for you-hoo, et cetera. He's supposed to
0: it's very clear. What you're supposed to think of a person with this type of success, and it's not—you're not supposed to be a fan of them while also thinking that the song is very good. Yeah, well, I mean, Sorry. like he said,
2: Yoo-hoo. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> speaking is. of, yeah, speaking of, right. after he says, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, like I found that they—they damn—they found—they found the tool in a, uh, in what's his face's bag, and he's just kind of like, yeah, man, but it was gold plated. Shit was kind of nice. I wish it was mine. Yoo hoo! And then walks around and sits down in first class. This is kind of, that was, like, terrifying. Yeah.
1: It's horrifying. But Earn taking this decisive action, which is not something Earn is particularly known for A decisive for doing. action-like
2: <laughs> action, more so than anything else he's done thus far. Right.
1: Acting, period. Doing something active. But Earn taking this affirmative step is what prompts Paperboy to say, basically, uh, he goes, I saw what you did. You don't have to say shit. Which is also, like, the most Urn way for that scene to go down. He literally doesn't say anything the entire time. Sort mm-hmm. of like... It's kind of like a sequel to what happens in North of the Border when they're on the couch. Yep. But Urn basically... Or, uh, Al basically says, Your family, you know what I'm about, and I need that, and... Implicitly, I think what he's saying is no one else would have done that for me. Like no one else is as invested in me as you. And that is what makes him important. It's good to have someone on your side in a way that, say, Clark County and his manager do not appear to have one another's backs. I kind
2: of read that in a different way because it was more so kind of like you understand you understand where I'm coming from and you are going to do what it takes to survive. Yeah, and yep. I will also do what it takes to survive, and those things line up because we're and you know like because we're family. I think.
0: Yes, I. I it was a little more of the second thing. I don't think Ern gets that speech. Well, I mean, if he gets caught, if, if he goes through security with a gun in his own bag, a, a lot of different things happen to Ern than what is yeah you know, than the outcome. But I do think that it is it is a result of. Al seeing him take that action and seeing something change in him.
2: Yeah. I think it's I think it's more so just kind of like, damn, I didn't know you had it in you. Exactly. Not yeah. necessarily exactly. like, right. you know, nobody else would have done that for me because I mean like that might have been the case that the gum was in Alfred's bag.
1: I think it's kind of both. It's like you would do that is really important. And that's not something that Earn's past behavior is necessarily indicated and that's part of Al's problem with Earn as a manager is that he's not able to be assertive and if you're not even able to tell a bunch of wimpy college kids like you need to pay me and give me proper lodging what chance do you have of telling major labels what you need of squaring off with other yeah. rappers properly yeah. right? Yeah. so it's like doing that but also doing that for him I just thought you know the fact that it's followed immediately by Clark County being like oh yeah I pawned this off on my manager and like I just think there's, like, a coincidence of both, like, the family tie and earn getting some steel that combined is why I'll see some as someone as value. I think before it was just, like, oh, you're family, so I'm obligated to have you around. And now it's, like, okay, you're family, so you are going to act on my behalf, but more importantly, you're going to do things for me. Which Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes. In any
0: sense, it is definitely—it's it's closure. It's a lot more closure than I— have come to expect from this show at all. but it is also a very neat button on the very first episode of the very first season, which is like, can I be your manager? can I can I do this? Can I do I does Ern have what it takes to be successful to be in this world? And after two seasons of not really or struggling through it, it's kind of like, okay. Like here's the breakthrough. It's obviously a, a complicated, bittersweet breakthrough because nothing on this show or in life is uh, that simple. But yeah, it does really seem like an end to many of the questions that they've been asking for the last two seasons. Not an end, but it does seem like an answer to a lot of the questions.
2: Which is why, and of course, it's yeah. like in in in. Atlanta's way is an answer that raises more questions. Sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, you can very easily imagine season three picking up right after they get back from the tour, which you can imagine many different ways it could go. The next stage of their career together, Earn, kind of, what does Earn in a successful mode look like? Where do they all go from here? I mean, you, could, you couldn't you could see the air quotes, but that successful wasn't air quotes. Um, <laughs> so I don't—I have no information. I don't by any means mean to say that it is a series finale, but it did—it was a very, very tidy ending with a lot of structural callbacks to both the first— episode of this season, but also the first episode of the show in a way that I was like, if it ended now, it would make sense.
1: It's weird because on the one hand, like looking forward, you're kind of like, okay, does this show work without Earn as this kind of bumbling, hilariously inept figure? But then on the other hand, there's only so much you could do with like a minimum of upward trajectory, which was what was going to happen if Ern was Al's manager and Ern continued to not be good at it. Right. And kicking it up to a new level, I do think, opens up certain storytelling opportunities. Like, if Al is at a new echelon of fame, that means he's interacting with new people. That means he enters into new... Yeah, well,
2: that was one of the things, that was one of the discussions we were having after the first season is that the way that the first season ended, because it was just kind of like whatever, like you know, you, you, there were a minimal number of episodes in which all the principal characters were together. Uh, they took you know several episodes in the middle of the season to just do concept stuff. The last episode was you know, like not really a conclusion of any kind. There could have been a massive time jump because he was, uh, Paperboy's playing in a celebrity basketball game in one of the episodes, which is not a thing that you can do with like a modicum of fame. Then there's also kind of like this weird kind of understanding of exactly how much fame and money Al actually has. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like now that this is, the the season ends with them taking off to go on a European tour, it could very well be like a five-year time skip to where they now live in some... I don't know, bigger, ritzier apartment. They go to different things. They have, they face different problems. They go to award shows or something.
1: And they are packing up to move before they leave for Europe, and it's never really clarified why they're they're doing that or where they're moving to. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that last season finale did end with an offer for Paperboy to go on tour, and that was kind of its only gesture towards where is this going, and then... We come back and the tour is never mentioned and it's implied it never happens because Paperboy is on house arrest now. Mm -hmm. But it sends this message of like, oh, even when we signal that Al's career is taking a step, it's not actually guaranteed that's going to happen. Whereas I think it would take a lot for this European tour to just fall apart. Like it, it looks like they are committing pretty solidly to... Especially given how many episodes they dedicated to Paperboy coming around mentally to the idea of actually Mm -hmm. trying. Yeah. I think it's very hard for them to walk that back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: We can talk a little bit more about kind of
0: the next season or kind of what we think the future of the show might be. But I do, since it was the finale, I want to spend a little time talking about season two and and hand out some awards as we do. But they will be about season, the whole season, instead of this particular episode— much like we did the first time around, on the very first episode of the Recapables a long time ago. Mm. So, let's. This is an easy one. The standout episode of the season, Micah.
2: Uh, standout episode of the season for me would be the woods. Yeah. Uh, the we waited a long time for the for the solo paperboy episode. And it did not disappoint. I particularly I wrote about this, actually, in the best moments mm-hmm. of it, our, our favorite things about Atlanta.
0: Yes, the Atlanta Season 2 Awards, which you can read on TheRinger.com. Great website. Thank
2: you. Um, yeah. But, I mean, like the gut punch at the beginning of the episode where, where uh, Al kind of wakes up on his couch and imagines his mom— cleaning the kitchen and you know just being like you know that you can't be living like this you know better i raise you better than that and then his phone buzzes and it's urn and it's just and then he looks back at the kitchen the lights are off it's she's empty gone, yeah. and she's gone and it's just kind of like damn this is where this episode is going um but i mean the best sequence is is obviously the the one that is in the woods, mm-hmm. uh, the, which is like the literalization of leaving some part of yourself behind in order to chase the stardom that you want. Right. And uh, it's kind of just like the the old vagrant in the woods just being like, hey, you mean like, either you're going to get up and you're going to walk out of here or I can just kill you right here and take your shoes. But uh, you're going you're gonna to have to make the decision, like, and I'm going to start counting down from 10. Right. And... When he finally walks into the gas station parking lot and then goes inside and finally smiles for a picture, it's like the first time that he doesn't treat being approached by a fan like an irritant. Yeah. And, but he does it with blood on his face. Yeah. He's he's doing (laughs) it with blood on his face and he's like exhausted, but at least he smiles on the picture.
0: (laughs) He poses and he does the, he walks him through how to take
2: the selfie and is
0: giving notes, which I is probably the one scene. Or at least the Brian Tyree Henry perf- scene that stays with me. I've yeah, just, that's give that guy an Emmy. It's, I, yeah.
2: it's really oh, like right now.
0: Yeah,
1: you also wrote about
2: that. I did, and I actually wrote about
0: that moment because you can just kind of you watch him switch between characters, and he's yeah. Out, I mean, like he goes in a paperboy and he goes out.
2: Yeah, I mean, like think about in the earlier scene in the episode when he goes to he went to Crystal. And, ch- and instead of just, you know, like eating his burger inside at a table, I don't know, maybe in the corner by himself or there are other people. He's just like, I'm just going to walk out to the parking lot and sit on a parking block. Not even anything that's like at a level where it could actually be comfortable. Right. <laughs> he's just like, I need to be outside and away from people, but I want this crystal burger.
1: Yeah. Justin Charity wrote something for also for The Ringer. Lots of great content there, but he wrote something arguing that Paperboy is now the de facto protagonist of the show, mm-hmm. and a lot of this, a lot of the arc of the season has been a baton passing of sorts between Urn as the central figure and Paperboy as the central figure. I think the the season finale maybe walks that back a little bit, but the woods is such a huge part of like treating. Al like someone who is yes. a protagonist.
0: I think yeah. it's also when you have an actor like Brian Tyree Henry, you can't do that. I would be curious to know how much of it is written to in terms of baton handing, and how much of it is that performance kind of resting it away um, from. From anyone else, he is really. I, I think he's just remarkable. I, I've said that a million times. Oh yeah, um, yeah.
1: I do think it's it's not a coincidence that, that this season. I think the only real Al spotlight episode last season was BAN, and yes. then this mm-hmm. season has Barbershop. It is Woods. Yes. It has a lot more specifically Al focused stories mm-hmm. and episodes. Mm-hmm. That's true,
0: uh, Allison. Your best episode,
1: so. There are a lot of really great, digressive, kind of classic Atlanta, out-of-the-blue mid-season installments, but I... I actually think I wouldn't have given this kind of answer before I saw the finale, but one of the things I really liked about the finale is that it, it snaps Robin's season into place as this complete story, which is not something Atlanta has traditionally been interested in doing. And so my vote for best episode is actually a tie between the premiere, which I thought was just a perfect reintroduction into the world of Atlanta, and it has a great featured performance that I'm sure we will be talking about soon, and the finale, which I think, as we were talking about earlier, has a lot of very deliberate calls back to that episode, and the way they actually work as a beginning and an end to a story, and the fact that Atlanta can do that at the same time that it is episodes like Woods, Mm -hmm. and Teddy Perkins, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we will also talk about. But the fact that it can do both of those things is really impressive, and I think the first season rightly, I think, prioritize like this is this is how we are different from other kinds of television. and this is like we're still different, and we can also do conventional television storytelling better than basically anyone else. yeah
0: you know, i it feels ungrateful to say that I got a little tired of urn and the the traditional aspects of the show because, as Allison really brightly pointed out just now, you can't. You have to have a show before you can kind of
1: experiment Mess with the around show. with Yeah, before you can before. mess around. Yeah. And one of the nice things about the experimental episodes, or one of the great things about them, is that they're never a weirdness for weirdness's sake. They're always touching on some core theme and just articulating it or addressing it in a way almost better than head-on storytelling. And Teddy Perkins is such a great yeah. example of that. Mm-hmm.
0: It's not the coolest answer to be like, well, the most uh disgust and, like, biggest swing of the whole season is my favorite. That's boring. That's, like, very basic. But it was also incredibly impressive. And when they take those big swings, they are able to deliver in a way that, I mean, it was just visually stunning. It has created so many memes that uh, Micah is going to haunt me with for the rest of my life. And <laughs> do you just, think
2: I could—would you, you like some, yeah. some voice and some—, some...
0: Should, Springs. right we should also mention Justin charity's Teddy Perkins impression which is uh also haunted this show throughout it's great it's great thanks to everyone um you know and I think was that Stevie oh God <laughs> it it kind of it gave a um a lot of depth to the Darius character and gave a new uh kind of a new dimension for Lakeith Keith Stanfield which is it always a it's it's very impressive that this show kind of allows people and characters to um, shift around and really develop without seeming like they just completely changed their minds about a character.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can't stop thinking the most impressive thing to me about Teddy Perkins is how it is both completely surprising and completely organic and inevitable within yeah. the fabric of the show. Like yeah. first of all the show like laid the precedent. Yeah, there's absolutely not...
2: there's the f- the fact that it was surprising yet totally something to be expected that they would just be like, you know what? For the seventh episode of our second season, we're just going to make a 41-minute arch horror show. Mm -hmm. Just, like, you know, deal with it.
1: Or the specific themes in it. I just remember, like, seeing Donald Glover in that makeup and in those prosthetics, and there's no mistaking who at least visually Teddy Perkins is modeled after. And I remember seeing that and being like, oh, of course they're doing Michael Jack. Like, a show that is about race and fame and music, like, it makes so much sense that they would do this. But of course, like, looking into the season, I would never be like, yes, Donald Glover is going to play a proxy Michael Jackson (laughs) and terrorize Lakeith Stanfield and play a body double of himself. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a good point of that it, this show manages to do everything that it has to do, story-wise, character-wise, and visually, and with... It manages to be conventional or not even that you just can't even use conventional in the same sentence as Teddy Perkins. But it manages to meet expectations or do kind of to check the boxes while also, I, I mean, the amount of imagination is really inspiring. I certainly don't have that much. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, I, I really think it is just it's such a creative and surprising constantly.
1: I would also just like to extend my solidarity to everyone on that set who had to deal with Donald Glover, who was apparently in character as Teddy Perkins the entire time. Well, we can come back to (laughs) that. I can barely deal with Micah doing, or Charity doing the voice for five seconds. I cannot even imagine what that environment was like. No, you can't! Uh <laughs> wow! I didn't even try to set that up, but that was great. yeah. You
2: did. That was you. Really, just you. Really, underhanded that yeah. one in there.
0: Yeah. The other thing that I would say about Teddy Perkins, and the reason that I chose it is that so often artists like to take big swings. They like to say, "Now I'm important, and you will give me your attention, and like watch what I can do." And I often find that the really big, demonstrative, "This is my statement," pieces of art um, can sometimes feel like homework, mm-hmm. and This show does not feel like homework. This show does not feel like eating your vegetables. You're watching people like really, really bring everything that they have to the table and it's still, it's an enjoyable television show. Mm. It is really, it is fun and engaging to watch. And I, I think that's as hard to do as anything. Teddy Perkins was just, I can't remember the last time that I watched an episode of TV and was also texting three people t- simultaneously, like, are you watching this also? I'm really upset. Yeah. And you guys know that that was happening because I was texting you. Yep, 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 And I yep, want yep. to thank you again <laughs> one more time for receiving those. But that is, you know, maybe you get that on Game of Thrones now. Maybe you get that. There are very few shows that can create both, can kind of reach these intellectual and artistic highs while also... Uh, pulling you in that way no, totally so i never want to hear that teddy perkins voice again and i will i so
2: wow i mean like you just ensured you do why don't you do the you whole next to... award
0: and the voice let's see how well, long no, you i'm go. not gonna get, do, like do the to whole next the award in the voice <laughs> because happened. i have other voices to do in the next <laughs> okay, award all right. all right okay good setup the next award is best guest star there's there there's some honorable mentions but whatever let's skip it micah go
2: uh, the best guest star still is Cat Williams in the first episode. You ain't take my $50? dollars Where are pray isn't Yvonne, we the only two <laughs> motherfuckers in here. Okay, I would actually fully
1: support Micah doing this. The, the, this entire I'm supposed discussion. to step out here
2: on the lawn with y'all for no reason? Wild children, them children ain't lying to you.
1: Incredible casting, it's
2: so yeah. good, and especially for the fact that like it, it definitely does. It does so much to position Earn as like, yo, you are either gonna have to get your shit together or it's gonna be over. And there's yeah, and nobody cares how smart you are. And
1: can't, and Atlanta does stunty cameos, and there is definitely a place for say Michael Vick showing up mm-hmm. in a parking lot and literally looking at the camera, and that's his entire job. But one of the amazing things about Cat Williams is he. Has a lot to do, and he does all of it and then some, and he kind of gets to deliver, as we were saying of Darius in the finale, he kind of gets the thesis statement of the season. He he tells Urn, mm-hmm. no one has time for that chip on your shoulder. He hands him a gun, and Urn, like he basically draws out of Urn, Urn articulating his fears and anxieties, which is, I don't want Al to leave me because I don't want to be you.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: it's the scene that is basically the skeleton key for the rest of the season, and there are so few of those kinds of scenes in Atlanta where characters just directly state how they're feeling and where they're at. And he does, he carries that while also just being hilarious.
2: Yeah, also having this, the small looks like, <laughs> is there really an alligator in there? <laughs> is he friendly with you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I <about> that one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I do want to shout out the um, the girl at the party in Champagne Poppy, uh, who is very high and calls the police and says, I need your help. I'm at this big party at Drake's house and I'm dying, which
2: <laughs> I mean, like, did we did we do an accounting of exactly how much she ha- like? Did she have more than one gummy bear or is she just a lightweight? People
0: respond uh, in different just... ways. Come on. Okay, how, how, how are you supposed to know? You never know how much is in a specific that's, thing. That's that's
2: very true. You know, OK, that's fair. <laughs>
1: you never, like, been in a circle where someone takes two hits and is just, like, incomprehensibly stoned for no reason that <laughs> anyone can understand. <laughs> not that, <laughs> that I'm speaking from <laughs> personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> Try Tell me a story, phone. Allison. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Off mic, maybe. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, this is not really a ward, but is there anything you'd change? Anything in the last season that this is a time to, I don't want to say air grievances, but to reflect on what we've been through.
1: Yeah, I think I should preface this, and I think I speak for all of us, by saying yeah. far be it from any of us to tell Donald Glover and Stephanie Robinson and Stephen Glover and Hiro Mirai what to do. They have clearly shown they need no one else's advice, but I would just say—so this season was 11 episodes as opposed to the traditional 10, which is something Legion, and other FX show, is doing that's clearly part of FX's, like, we let creators do whatever they want thing— but I do think, like in the back half of the season, there were a couple of weaker installments that I don't know necessarily added that much. All due respect to that actress, but I actually wasn't a huge fan of Champagne Poppy, and I also wasn't that big a fan of Fubu. The flashback episode, I do think there was worthwhile stuff in both of them, but
2: I think that the that was going to be my thing yeah. that I would just the Fubu episode, the suicide, just kind of. Confounds yeah. the sympathies of the show. We, from, we talked about yeah. that a bit. Yeah. yeah, I
1: think for me, I remember watching that and thinking like that felt like an Atlanta fan fiction or spec script writer's like vision of what an Atlanta twist is. But in reality, it's actually much less subtle and much more obvious than we usually expect. But most most importantly, like as a whole, I just didn't think the episode shed any particular light on Ernest L's personalities or relationship or history that I wasn't able
2: to really. But you couldn't for. glean from somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I have to say,
0: it served an important f- function in setting up this the finale and setting up uh, their reconciliation, for lack of a better word. Because by mm-hmm. by the time you get to Fubu, it's just like I mean, we on this podcast we talked for weeks about, "Cool, Earn's gonna get fired. Goodbye, Earn." And there there was almost an exasperation of. This doesn't make sense anymore. This is not how this would, you know.
2: Okay, yeah, that, that I thing, mean, in, like, in the context of
0: how they did it, you can argue with. I I didn't like the twist. I do think there is something creative in, um. Flashing back without any sort of explanation, and then suddenly you're just kind of watching, you know, very cute teenage kids rip your hearts out, which, they certainly did. And I think some of it might also just be that they wanted to make a '90s tribute episode, and and so.
1: I guess to me it also just felt like sequencing wise that yeah. they just wanted to buy time between the quote unquote cliffhanger of Al initially telling Ern you need to get your shit together mm-hmm. and then this another plot heavy resolution heavy episode absolutely and I guess I don't necessarily like being able to see the gears of a season that way yeah and I don't necessarily like obviously it would have it would have cut to the chase a little sooner then maybe sooner than Atlanta would like, but I don't necessarily know if I, I would have disliked just going straight from north of the border into uh, Crabs at a Barrel.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I would go the opposite way and say I could lose one of the first three episodes of the season because I think it, they were doing a lot of exposition at the beginning, and I was like, okay, when is like when's the show really going to start? You know, when are we going to... like a, The gears are in motion, and it's that same thing of... When you can really see it being a TV show, which I I don't know the, what are they supposed to do? They're a TV show. Like I, yeah. I, at some point, I do think like it's eventually a really good you TV have to show, make a TV
2: show. Yes. And also,
0: it's better than most other shows. So, but I agree with you that I, I mean, I would go the other way. But it is when you see the machinery, which it's and it's almost ungrateful because they're so good at not showing you the machinery. Yeah. That when I they mean,
1: do, I'm just gonna say we were given the prompt yes. asking if we would change no, anything. No, it's true. No, so this is my answer. I, although in reality, I'm, I don't think I would change. Much. I was only
0: calling myself ungrateful, yeah. not you, Micah. You, I mean, you kind of elaborated already. Yeah, the yeah, Fubu yeah. I mean, the, like the the, the Fubu yeah. episode,
2: just like you were saying. I mean, I I like the idea of a '90s flashback episode. I like a lot of things about it. Yeah, it was really just the like uniquely barbarous bullying <laughs> and and the suicide just felt like unnecessary cruelty but almost but in the but the thing is that like it's it's complicated because like we were saying on the episode last week it makes sense for
0: it is in a, a way it is a device that they have established on the show not suicide but um the idea of things happening randomly and Suddenly and without explanation, and without dwelling on them at all.
1: Yeah. I guess like that—that's the thing, though. Yes. It was—it was sudden, but it wasn't without explanation, and it felt a little more like Atlanta has that feeling of, of right. randomness, and that's part of what, oh, what yeah. creates the mood. You're and that, and like, this it's was so...
2: randomness that that treats death as a thing that just happens, yes. and like something that is, for lack of a better word, mundane to life in—I mean—mundane to Black life in uh, in in Atlanta, in America, etc. This one felt like a PSA.
0: I mean, I completely agree. And that was my first reaction Mm. to it. I I think the fact that that, that's one to two notes or really some like structural, some pacing issues in 11 episodes is a testament to how much.
2: So to how tightly and well made the thing is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love this season of television. This was great. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. of course, you know, it's it's possible, like you mentioned, we yeah. might not get any more. It's probable that even if we do get more, we're not gonna get it for like two years, maybe. So I do think it's worth just like taking a moment and being like, We appreciated this. This was awesome. Because we might not get that anymore. Get anymore. <laughs> yeah.
2: <a> <laughs>
0: yeah. And I and I would just say, if we don't, it did feel like a natural conclusion and it was satisfying and We'll see. I, I I mean listen, I would love for them to fund the European The tour. European door? What about just like a 190 minute, you know how there's like their Christmas special in the UK, but they could do like the summer special, like a TV movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like 90 <laughs> minutes of them just like running through Europe uh, directed by Hiro Murai. That'd yeah. Be great. Should yeah. we like start a bake sale to fund that? Go fund me. Yeah. <laughs> right. With that, I guess Send all your letters about next season to FX and not to us. Though we would love to see another season. In the meantime, uh, this, this is the last episode of Recappables Atlanta. There are more recappables of Billions. There's Westworld Recappables, There's a lot of other content on The Ringer. But since we're here, and since you listened all the way to the end of this podcast, <laughs> I would thank you to everyone who has done this with us. It was very fun. I would like to thank Micah and Allison specifically.
2: Thank you for having yeah, me, Amanda. I knew that I was coming. I really us. do appreciate okay. it. It's, if you, it's yeah. been a lovely experience. I'm you regretting why, this so just... much. Okay, while he's talking, I'm going to talk <laughs> over him. Thank you to Justin Charity,
0: Andrew Gretadero, Cameron Collins, Victor Lukerson, Hannah Georges, and Chris Ryan for coming on the show. And thank you to all of you for listening.
2: You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs>
1: Do not at me, but feel free to thoughtfully email me your thoughts and opinions. All right. (laughs) Thank you, everyone.
0: One last note. Our theme song was made by our friends at songfinch.com. Check out Songfinch to turn your stories, memories, and even your feelings into a -a one-of-a-kind song by professional musicians. It makes the perfect gift for any occasion. That's songfinch.com.